The Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Conversations that change the way you lead. If you analysed your views on church and Christian life today and compared it with where you were 20 years ago, you may well discover there were some changes. You might argue that if you're in something of a rut, if you haven't changed. But what if you're a church leader who feels compelled to change your views when the local church expects a particular line and approach to be taken? Do you resign? Do you attempt to convince your leaders? And if you can't, then resign? Or do you simply keep quiet and soldier on? I'm joined on the Leadership File this week by the Reverend Dave Bracewell, the former vicar of St Saviour's Guildford, who underwent a change in his own theology. He's kindly agreed to share something of his journey and the repercussions for the church he was serving at the time. So, welcome, David, to the Leadership File. Thank you. You, you, you served as, as vicar for 26 years at St Saviour's uh, until 2010. And then at what, at what point did the change come, and, and how did it come about? It came, uh, it happened very soon specifically really nine years into that very long ministry um and it was on the 24th of january actually 1993 uh in an evening service where i got up to preach on ezekiel 47 uh, what had happened before that was that in in the december of the previous year i I'd sort of got to the point of, of accepting that my ministry was at a low ebb um weariness in the church uh Issues with the family in terms of a possible adoption of a of a child. Uh, my wife having had a little bit of depression, and uh, we sat down uh, just before Christmas at the kitchen table, and and I I said to God, I can't go on any longer with the disparity sort of thing that is happening between uh, what I'm saying publicly and how I'm feeling privately. Um, so could you do something, please? And. Uh, <laughs> He replied six weeks later when I preached that sermon, um, and I got to verse 9 of Ezekiel 47, and it says, um, wherever the the water flows, there is life. It's the picture of water coming down uh, and, and being purified. Um, and I started to cry, which, which is not really in the rubrics of a Church of England service, um, and everyone froze, and uh, I continued to the end of the service, invited people to respond. And there was an overwhelming movement uh, of people and a movement of the Spirit, uh, which was, which I can't go into the details probably, but it's extraordinary. And that was the point at which the change began for me. Well, and um, I mean, did you talk about that experience to others in the sense that it was obviously evident that you'd been crying, but did did you know was there a kind of subsequent conversation were people wondering what had gone on or was it evident because everyone has was in the same sort of um experience of that of that meeting well yeah i mean everyone in the church that evening was caught up in it so um people subsequently were saying to one another what is going on uh, and actually, the next Sunday morning, sort of word had got round that the vicar had had a turn, and uh, uh, so that the, the morning service was was sort of crackle of expectation, and <laughs> they weren't disappointed because uh, the sermon sort of collapsed again, and I was in tears, and uh, I invited people to come forward and be prayed for. So the whole thing was, was uh, at that point, uh, I wasn't clear really what 
changes theologically were going on, they they were discerned retrospectively, I suppose, at three months on. But I knew that the Holy Spirit was moving in a way that I hadn't experienced before. Um, and the whole congregation were caught up in that, um, a, but by seeing it happen, and on the whole by being caught up with it experientially, uh, but some people, of course, standing uh, to one side and observing. So as you anticipated that second Sunday, having you know had the experience before, were, were you praying that something would happen, or were you hoping to go back to normal, as it were, you know? I think I was hoping that, that normal service would be resumed. Yeah. Um, but but I was in great turmoil myself. I mean, throughout the week I was walking with the dogs and I was crying. and uh, Not dramatically crying, but something was deeply stirring within me. I'm, I'm not a, a great sort of um, extrovert in that sense. I mean, this was quite unexpected. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it was it, it was all... There was turmoil within me, so... Um, I didn't know what would happen next Sunday. I, I reverted to um, uh, my normal preaching pattern. My plan originally had been that I would preach on the Holy Spirit for two Sunday evenings because when I prayed that prayer in, in the kitchen, I, I, I said to God, you know, I just want some reality here. And I'd been schooled in a very, um, what should I say, conservative theology uh, which, which tended to cause me to box the Holy Spirit. And, and I think I, I realized the need to open the box. Um, uh, and, and, but I, I thought that was for evening, <laughs> not for the morning. Right, right. And, of course, God, uh, God said, well, I'm here all the time, and, and off we go. Uh, for those who don't know St. Saviour's Guildford, it's a, it's a considerable-sized uh, Anglican church in, in the heart of Guildford, isn't it? What sort of size were you at that time? Uh, at that time, I suppose we were... Uh, never believe figures that vicars give but I think we're about 500 Um, so for instance on that first Sunday evening there may have been 200 people there and uh, so it was it was not difficult to discern things were happening when maybe two thirds of them came streaming forward to the front to be prayed for so to speak Mm -hmm. Um, and the evening congregation in a way would have been the one more open to that sort of thing happening uh, but the morning was much more conservative so it was quite astonishing when similar things happened in the morning mm-hmm. and um were there were people particularly helpful to you as a going through this were there you know or did people take keep their distance what on earth's going on yeah um i mean it was, it's a wonderful congregation i mean i'd inherited a, a deeply spiritual and well taught congregation of people and they're very gracious in terms of whatever happens really um amongst them there would be those who to use the label charismatic were sort of really excited that the the penny had dropped for this rather uh, reformed vicar um so, so they were extremely helpful. Uh, the rest of the congregation actually just got opened, or many of them just got opened up to what was going on. I, I was, you know, I invited people forward to prayer for prayer in, in the side chapel on the first Sunday morning, and streams of people who were innate, innately quite conservative and, and quite powerful people running the world, so to speak who just sort of came and said, it's not what it looks like. Um, I realise how dry I am, and I, and I, I need God. Um, 
but then there would be a number of people who were standing on the side saying, oh my goodness me, whatever's going on here. Um, but there was no deep opposition and, and actually ultimately no, certainly no split in the church, although maybe a handful of people moved on to, to other places. And and if I can ask a, a more private question in terms of your wife and how she was at this point? Yeah, she she she's a very steady uh, woman who's <laughs> the power behind all my ministry, of course. Um, and she, you know, she was fully in it. I mean, we we prayed together on that day, and uh, she she was uh, very much caught up uh, uh, in it herself, and and deeply supportive uh, of the whole thing. The kids were very young, and I don't suppose they they quite realised what was going on. Um, but but um, but there were things going on. I mean, it was a dramatic time for the church, and a lot of people came, started to come to see what was going on, and 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 so on, and, and the whole thing. Uh, trundled on, well, it didn't trundle on, it galloped on for three months or so. Well, you have in the course in the book of Acts, um, that time when when Peter preaches um, in Caesarea, uh, mm-hmm. in Cornelius' household, and then he's kind of, he's he's surprised at what's happened, and then they he goes to meet with the, the apostles in Jerusalem, and they discuss it and realize that, you know, God has opened up the way to the Gentiles too. And it's a kind of uh, theology comes after the experience. Is that kind of what was happening with with you and the church as, as you sort yeah, to yeah, understand it, these things? It, it, it really was. I mean, I think before this happened, I was not sitting down thinking I need to rethink my theology of word and spirit. Um, the experience happened because I cried out in, in a sense of dryness. Um uh, and it moves me now even to think about it. Um, but it was only retrospectively that, that, that we then sat down together as a church and said, well, what is this about? And and, and I personally began to to rethink um, my theology and, 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 and an awareness that, that that I couldn't box the spirit um, and that the, the, the things that were happening were, were sort of like a sense of expectation every time we worshipped and and an embarrassing intimacy with God, which I think is very difficult in the home counties. Um, and those those experiences were were very real. And I, I, I think as I sat down later on, I, I realised that the Holy Spirit was a, a, a powerful person to be reckoned with. But crucially, I, I didn't swing from one extreme to the other. I, I then came to realise that actually... Word and Spirit is a deeply biblical marriage, and, and sadly, it's often thrust apart. So the way forward for us was very much that we wanted to uh, build a church which, which um, honoured the, the, the truth of the Word and the power of the Spirit and held them together. Uh, and we didn't do it particularly well, but that was what we tried to do. Yeah, sure, and, and I guess in, if you're looking back to 1993, there had been already... A number of Anglican churches who were who'd embraced charismatic renewal. Obviously, St. Michael the Belfry had done so yeah, yeah. some decades before. Um, yeah. To some extent, I guess Holy Trinity Brompton already um, yeah. would have been yeah. up in London. So, so you were kind of you had a few models around, I suppose. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I, I, I was deep, a great devotee of David Watson at, uh, at York, and, and heard him speak and read his books, but, but being sort of rather objective about it, and so a lot of that began to ring bells again. Uh, Holy Trinity Bompton, I, I went up there. I was actually there on the the day, which was a year later, when 
20 Sunday 1994 when things happened for them in a dramatic way beginning what was known as the Toronto Blessing and I, I had some times with uh, the leaders there and, and it was good to feel that this was part of an unfolding movement in many other places as well and God sort of graciously decided to have a go at St. Saviour's Guildford well, well, we thought it was a desperate case <laughs> <laughs> well we'll carry on with this uh, in, a, in a few moments We're, okay. you're, listening to the, you're listening to the Leadership File with me Andy Peck I'm joined this week by the Reverend David Bracewell the former vicar of St. Saviour's Guildford who was talking about a, a particular change in his ministry there in Guildford back in 1993 we'll be back just after this Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by the Reverend David Bracewell, the former vicar of St. Saviour's Guildford. Um, we've been talking particularly about a, a change in his theology, and we're going to come on now to look at some of the lessons that we might learn as leaders when perhaps we sense that God is 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 moving us in a different direction. For David, this was a, a particular understanding or experience, certainly, of the of the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm trying to marry that word and and spirit. So, so David, I guess having gone through this to some extent, maybe you um, you're in a good position to talk, particularly to, to leaders who are maybe facing uh, a change themselves. And and obviously, this was a this was an experience rather than a kind of I've read a few books and I, I now have a different mind. But have you got any thoughts, particularly for those who are uh, at this point of uh, what do I do now? I no longer believe exactly what I used to believe. Well, yes. Um, uh, I, I think, I, I mean, for me as a leader, it was not a question of uh, sitting down and saying, do I share with the congregation the changes that are going on because they'd all seen it happen. Yes. Uh, but, but in principle, uh, I mean, I think we do all change. I think the first thing is, is to admit that that is so and that, that it's usually healthy. It's, it's part of growing um, and maturing. Um and that when that happens for a leader, I, I, if it's happened privately, as it were, there's been a, a shift in his theology, I, I think it's absolutely vital to be open and honest about it, perhaps initially with a small group of people, um, and not to... Uh, I think the danger sometimes will be to say, well, I've, I've shifted, but I better not say anything about it because the expectations are that I won't. And, and that, that makes for a very difficult minister. So I think honesty, even though it's, it can be painful, is important. Uh, and, and honesty, which then gets other people to test the change with you um, so that you're not exposed and alone. And I think also for, for me... Uh, although it was retrospective, I, I think a, a certain sensitivity, um, so that so that the change, very often when change comes and change theologically, the danger is to bounce from one extreme to the other, and suddenly, uh, in, in my instance, to become overwhelmed by experience of the Holy Spirit and, and lose the, the thread of, of preaching the word. And I was very anxious to say that this change was a, a, a deep thing which was enriching the totality of our ministry rather than me bouncing. I mean, I think leaders very often do bounce from one extreme to another or latch on to something and patient congregations say, oh no, here we go again type of thing. So that would be a little bit of advice I would offer very uh, humbly if I might. Sure. And, and obviously you're, look, you're, look, you're looking now back on you know, several uh, decades since that time, yeah, um, yeah. and uh, c- clearly you you you're delighted that it, it all happened. Uh, as you reflect upon your second half of your ministry at St Saviour's, 
Um, particular differences that you could note? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, I think um, there was considerable growth numerically, um, I, I suspect stemming from, from that new openness. Um, because I, I, I think for us, uh, I mean, the deepest thing about the Word and Spirit was that, that it, it's a message which resonates with the culture that we're in. Um, and people were strangely attracted to uh, a very strong preaching, which then led to quite dramatic manifestations sometimes, or prayer ministry, whatever it might be. Um, uh, and, and so there, there was there was numerical growth. Uh, I think there was growth of unity in terms of build, continues to building a, a team in the second half of ministry. I, I struggle with team building because I come from a very small situation in the north of England and was a bit overwhelmed by the size and... and uh, ambiance of, of the home counties, uh, evangelicalism, and uh, I, I'd struggled really. And I, and I think this brought into focus the need to uh, develop a team and to share, I mean, share, share, share what you're feeling. Uh, I spend a lot of time seeing leaders now, and uh, there's a lot of isolation, and um, some of it comes from just a, a reluctance for whatever reason, and very often good reasons, I understand, uh, to share um, so the team built better the, the church grew um, and those were good changes really yeah. and and um, David you mentioned the um, you know you'd read Deputy David Watson have there been other writers that have been a particular blessing uh, to you and your ministry particularly maybe reflecting upon this experience of God yeah I mean I, I, I dip around and read very widely really um, if not deeply but um I mean, I, I like literature very much. So I, I, I've read uh, the, the poetry of Aris Thomas um, is particularly powerful for me. And, and there was there was just, uh, it's a quotation stuck in my mind. Can I offer this one? Yeah, please do. Uh, in one of his poems, he says, History showed us he was, God was too big to be nailed to the wall of a stone chapel, yet still we crammed him between the boards of a black book. Now, that that's a quite a, a sort of um, strong statement about not worshipping the Bible, as it were. Uh, and for me, it, that focused very much what was going on with me, that I continued to honour the supremacy of Scripture, but I, I just didn't want to be locked up into into, into its detailed exposition. Um, and, and that was provocative. And uh, amongst clergy people, I, I did make uh, a few, well, I wouldn't call them enemies, but uh, there were differences. So... Um, there were difficult times as well. I mean, beyond that, I, I, I continue to read, and did then and, and still now do read culture. I think I mentioned earlier that the, one of the powerful influences, the effects of Word and Spirit was it speaks into the culture. So I read a lot of cultural stuff, uh, Leslie Newbegin and Henri Nouwen, and uh, I read Rowan Williams quite a bit. <laughs> I don't understand much of what he says, <laughs> but when you do, it, it is just so powerfully illuminating. So things like Toker's of trust. Uh, loads of authors. I mean, I, I shouldn't go on about that, but yeah, lots of reading. It's important. Mm, fantastic. And how do you spend your time now, David? <laughs> well, when I retired, I was terrified that I'd have nothing to do and uh, I thought I'd be doing funerals and odd services. So um, I I set up something called Zoe Ministry uh, and under that I, I encourage leaders. So I, a lot of my time I go around the country. I have sort of... Um, uh, contract, shall we say, with various dioceses, and 
I spend my time with church leaders uh, in groups or individually, just trying to help them to um, exercise their ministry and, and to grow the church. And I mean, I think I mentioned earlier about the isolation that one senses, and um, I, I just I'm just passionate really about encouraging them. I mean. Technically, I suppose it's consultancy. I told my children I was a consultant, and they laughed themselves silly. So, <laughs> it's it's a ministry of encouragement. Uh, but the details of it are on on my website at Zoe Ministry. And you, yes, you, I, I understand you sometimes go and spend some time in a in a parish or in a church and sort of. Yes, reflect. that's right. Yeah, sometimes I do that um, as well. Uh, and in between times, I teach and preach wherever I'm invited. Really. So sort of church weekends and... Church um, weekends, yeah. Spring Harvest France uh, this last year, which is great fun. Um, yeah, bits and pieces. Nothing... I mean, I would, I've hardly got an international ministry, but I dot around <laughs> England. Well, you're, you're very, you're very um, unassuming and gracious in what you say, but <laughs> certainly, yeah. um, you know, as someone uh, who's part of a church that enjoyed your ministry for a weekend, it was, uh, it was terrific, so... Um, you. you know the Lord, the Lord bless you in what you're doing. So, um, if if people wanted to get in touch with you, they go to uh, Zoe Ministry. Zoe Ministry dot co dot uk, or just tap in David Bracewell, and it's not a very big thing. But it's a small website. Will will pop up, and it will tell you what I do, and and give a diary of of uh, events that Excellent. are lying ahead. So that's um, just for people spelling it. It's Z O E Ministry Ministry dot co dot uk. It simply came out of the fact that our youngest granddaughter was called Zoe, and I had to quickly think of a ministry. But it's also the Greek word for life. Well, so indeed, I, I assume that was the reason. The, uh, the Greek <laughs> no, word no, for no, life. nothing quite so theological. <laughs> it was just uh, the love of my first granddaughter. Mm. Well, uh, but David, thank you so much for sharing us. What I appreciate it was a uh, quite a personal and precious mm. uh, time mm. in your past, and I think this will, um, you know, it, a, a illuminates to to those listening uh, the the kind of challenges that church leaders face yeah. but also the blessing of um you know when god calls you to move and actually that that you know for you that you know that was a slightly traumatic time but it actually moved on to a very exciting phase of your mm. ministry and that may i'm sure be the case for many listening yeah so thank you well, so much it's been a privilege to uh, to share it it's brought it all back to me which is very helpful thank you good well thank you so you've been listening to the leadership file with me andy peck i was joined this week by David Bracewell, the former vicar of St. Saviour's Guildford, uh, who underwent a, a change in his own theology. And uh, if you're listening and you're thinking, hey, that, that could have been me or that is me, um, then uh, maybe you need to, as David suggested, uh, find people to share something of what's going on with you, uh, kind of people that you trust who can help you navigate this next phase in their life so that your church leadership can, can remain vibrant, uh, but also you can be true to what God is doing in and uh, through you. Uh, thank you for your company today. Uh, you can go to Premier's own website, www.premier.org.uk, and listen to archived versions of the Leadership File. Um, after a month or so, they go on to iTunes, so you can sign up to iTunes and uh, and uh, download uh, other shows to your uh, listening device, as they say, or iPod or whatever. Um, if you have ideas of potential guests, then do email me, apec at cwr.org.uk and I'll consider uh, the options that you suggest. Many of the guests that have been on this show have been people that have been suggested by uh, listeners just like you, so uh, do be encouraged. Uh, you can um, also discover a little bit more about leadership uh, via a website, 
uh, .net, which is now uh, up and running, and uh, there's some connections to previous uh, broadcasts there as well. So uh, thank you for your company. Look forward to you joining us next Sunday at 3.30. God bless. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.